0: book five chapter three of a hero of our time by mikhail yurovich lermontov translated by j h wisdom and mar murray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate and bangor maine book five the third extract from pechorin's diary princess mary chapter three may sixteenth in the course of two days my affairs have gained ground tremendously princess mary positively hates me already i have had repeated to me two or three epigrams on the subject of myself rather caustic but at the same time very flattering she finds it exceedingly strange that i who am accustomed to good society and am so intimate with her petersburg cousins and aunts do not try to make her acquaintance every day we meet at the well and on the boulevard i exert all my powers to entice away her adorers glittering aides-de-camp pale-faced visitors from moscow and others and i almost always succeed i have always hated entertaining guests now my house is full every day they dine sup gamble and alas my champagne triumphs over the might of princess mary's magnetic eyes i met her yesterday in Chelikoff's shop she was bargaining for a marvellous persian rug and implored her mother not to be niggardly the rug would be such an ornament to her boudoir i outbid her by forty roubles and bought it over her head i was rewarded with a glance in which the most delightful fury sparkled about dinner-time i ordered my circassian horse covered with that very rug purposely to be led past her windows werner was with the princesses at the time and told me that the effect of the scene was most dramatic princess mary wishes to preach a crusade against me and i have even noticed that already two of the aides-de-camp salute me very coldly when they are in her presence they dine with me every day however grushnitsky has assumed an air of mystery he walks with his arms folded behind his back and does not recognize anyone his foot has got well all at once and there is hardly a sign of a limp he has found an opportunity of entering into conversation with princess Ligovsky and of paying princess mary some kind of a compliment the latter is evidently not very fastidious for ever since she answers his bow with a most charming smile are you sure you do not wish to make the Ligovskys acquaintance he said to me yesterday positive good gracious the pleasantest house at the waters all the best society of pyatigorsk is to be found there my friend i am terribly tired of even other society than that of pyatigorsk so you visit the ligovskys not yet i have spoken to princess mary once or twice but that is all you know it is rather awkward to go and visit them without being invited although that is the custom here it would be a different matter if i was wearing epaulettes good heavens why you are much more interesting as it is you simply do not know how to avail yourself of your advantageous position why that soldier's cloak makes a hero and a martyr of you in the eyes of any lady of sentiment grushnitski smiled complacently what nonsense he said i am convinced i continued that princess mary is in love with you already he blushed up to the ears and looked big oh vanity thou art the lever with which archimedes was to lift the earthly sphere you are always jesting he said pretending to be angry in the first place she knows so little of me as yet women love only those whom they do not know but i have no pretensions whatsoever to pleasing her i simply wish to make the acquaintance of an agreeable household and it would be extremely ridiculous if i were to cherish the slightest hope with you now for instance it is a different matter you petersburg conquerors you have but to look and women melt but do you know pechorin what princess mary said of you what she has spoken to you already about me do not rejoice too soon though the other day by chance i entered into conversation with her at the well her third word was who is that gentleman with such an unpleasant heavy glance he was with you when she blushed and did not like to mention the day remembering her own little delightful exploit you need not tell me what day it was i answered it will ever be present to my memory Pechorin, my friend i cannot congratulate you you are in her black books and indeed it is a pity because mary is a charming girl it must be observed that grushnitski is one of those men who when speaking of a woman with whom they are barely acquainted call her my mary my Sophie if she has had the good fortune to please them i assumed a serious air and answered yes she is good-looking only be careful grushnitski russian ladies for the most part cherish only platonic love without mingling any thought of matrimony with it and platonic love is exceedingly embarrassing princess mary seems to be one of those women who want to be amused if she is bored in your company for two minutes on end you are lost irrevocably your silence ought to excite her curiosity your conversation ought never to satisfy it completely you should alarm her every minute ten times in public she will slight people's opinion for you and will call that a sacrifice and in order to requite herself for it she will torment you afterwards she will simply say that she cannot endure you if you do not acquire authority over her even her first kiss will not give you the right to a second she will flirt with you to her heart's content and in two years' time she will marry a monster in obedience to her mother and will assure herself that she is unhappy that she has loved only one man that is to say you but that heaven was not willing to unite her to him because he wore a soldier's cloak although beneath that thick grey cloak beat a heart passionate and noble grushnitsky smote the table with his fist and fell to walking to and fro across the room i laughed inwardly and even smiled once or twice but fortunately he did not notice it is evident that he is in love because he has grown even more confiding than heretofore moreover a ring has made its appearance on his finger a silver ring with black enamel of local workmanship it struck me as suspicious i began to examine it and what do you think i saw the name mary was engraved on the inside in small letters and in a line with the name was the date on which she had picked up the famous tumbler i kept my discovery a secret i do not want to force confessions from him i want him of his own accord to choose me as his confidant and then i will enjoy myself today i rose late i went to the well i found nobody there the day grew hot white shaggy cloudlets were flitting rapidly from the snow-clad mountains giving promise of a thunderstorm the summit of mount mashuk was smoking like a just-extinguished torch grey wisps of cloud were coiling and creeping like snakes around it arrested in their rapid sweep and as it were hooked to its prickly brushwood the atmosphere was charged with electricity i plunged into the avenue of the vines leading to the grotto i felt low-spirited i was thinking of the lady with the little mole on her cheek of whom the doctor had spoken to me why is she here i thought and is it she and what reason have i for thinking it is and why am i so certain of it is there not many a woman with a mole on her cheek reflecting in such wise i came right up to the grotto i looked in and i saw that a woman wearing a straw hat and wrapped in a black shawl was sitting on a stone seat in the cold shade of the arch her head was sunk upon her breast and the hat covered her face i was just about to turn back in order not to disturb her meditations when she glanced at me vera i exclaimed involuntarily she started and turned pale i knew that you were here she said i sat down beside her and took her hand a long-forgotten tremor ran through my veins at the sound of that dear voice she gazed into my face with her deep calm eyes mistrust and something in the nature of reproach Were expressed in her glance we have not seen each other for a long time i said a long time and we have both changed in many ways consequently you love me no longer i am married she said again a few years ago however that reason also existed but nevertheless she plucked her hand away from mine and her cheeks flamed perhaps you love your second husband she made no answer and turned her head away or is he very jealous she remained silent what then he is young handsome and i suppose rich which is the chief thing and you are afraid i glanced at her and was alarmed profound despair was depicted upon her countenance tears were glistening in her eyes tell me she whispered at length do you find it very amusing to torture me i ought to hate you since we have known each other you have given me naught but suffering her voice shook she leaned over to me and let her head sink upon my breast perhaps i reflected it is for that very reason that you have loved me joys are forgotten but sorrows never i clasped her closely to my breast and so we remained for a long time at length our lips drew closer and became blent in a fervent intoxicating kiss her hands were cold as ice her head was burning and hereupon we embarked upon one of those conversations which on paper have no sense which it is impossible to repeat and impossible even to retain in memory the meaning of the sounds replaces and completes the meaning of the words as in italian opera she is decidedly averse to my making the acquaintance of her husband the lame old man of whom i had caught a glimpse on the boulevard she married him for the sake of her son he is rich and suffers from attacks of rheumatism i did not allow myself even a single scoff at his expense she respects him as a father and will deceive him as a husband a strange thing the human heart in general and woman's heart in particular vera's husband semyon vasilievich g is a distant relation of princess Ligovsky. he lives next door to her vera frequently visits the princess i have given her my promise to make the Ligovskys acquaintance and to pay court to princess mary in order to distract attention from vera in such way my plans have been not a little deranged but it will be amusing for me amusing yes i have already passed that period of spiritual life when happiness alone is sought when the heart feels the urgent necessity of violently and passionately loving somebody now my only wish is to be loved and that by very few i even think that i would be content with one constant attachment a wretched habit of the heart one thing has always struck me as strange i have never made myself the slave of the woman i have loved on the contrary i have always acquired an invincible power over her will and heart without in the least endeavouring to do so why is this is it because i never esteem anything highly and she has been continually afraid to let me out of her hands or is it the magnetic influence of a powerful organism or is it simply that i have never succeeded in meeting a woman of stubborn character i must confess that in fact i do not love women who possess strength of character what business have they with such a thing indeed i remember now once and once only did i love a woman who had a firm will which i was never able to vanquish we parted as enemies and then perhaps if i had met her five years later we would have parted otherwise vera is ill very ill although she does not admit it i fear she has consumption or that disease which is called Fevre lenta a quite un russian disease and one for which there is no name in our language the storm overtook us while in the grotto and detained us half an hour longer vera did not make me swear fidelity or ask whether i had loved others since we had parted she trusted in me anew with all her former unconcern and i will not deceive her she is the only woman in the world whom it would never be within my power to deceive i know that we shall soon have to part again and perchance for ever we will both go by different ways to the grave but her memory will remain inviolable within my soul i have always repeated this to her and she believes me although she says she does not at length we separated for a long time i followed her with my eyes until her hat was hidden behind the shrubs and rocks my heart was painfully contracted just as after our first parting oh how i rejoiced in that emotion Can it be that youth is about to come back to me, with its salutary tempests? Or is this only the farewell glance, the last gift, in memory of itself? And to think that, in appearance, I am still a boy. My face, though pale, is still fresh. My limbs are supple and slender. My hair is thick and curly. My eyes sparkle. My blood boils. Returning home, I mounted on horseback and galloped to the steppe i love to gallop on a fiery horse through the tall grass in the face of the desert wind greedily i gulp down the fragrant air and fix my gaze upon the blue distance endeavoring to seize the misty outlines of objects which every minute grow clearer and clearer whatever griefs oppress my heart whatever disquietudes torture my thoughts all are dispersed in a moment my soul becomes at ease the fatigue of the body vanquishes the disturbance of the mind there is not a woman's glance which i would not forget at the sight of the tufted mountains illumined by the southern sun at the sight of the dark blue sky or in hearkening to the roar of the torrent as it falls from cliff to cliff i believe that the cossacks yawning on their watch towers, when they saw me galloping thus needlessly and aimlessly were long tormented by that enigma because from my dress i am sure they took me to be a circassian i have in fact been told that when riding on horseback in my circassian costume i resemble a kabardian more than many a kabardian himself and indeed so far as regards that noble warlike garb i am a perfect dandy i have not a single piece of gold lace too much my weapon is costly but simply wrought the fur on my cap is neither too long nor too short my leggings and shoes are matched with all possible accuracy my tunic is white my circassian jacket dark brown i have long studied the mountaineer's seat on horseback and in no way is it possible to flatter my vanity so much as by acknowledging my skill in horsemanship in the cossack mode i keep four horses one for myself and three for my friends so that i may not be bored by having to roam about the fields all alone they take my horses with pleasure and never ride with me it was already six o'clock in the evening when i remembered that it was time to dine my horse was jaded i rode out on to the road leading from pyatagorth to the german colony to which the society of the watering-place frequently rides en piquenique the road meanders between bushes and descends into little ravines through which flow noisy brooks beneath the shade of tall grasses all around in an amphitheatre rise the blue masses of mount Beshtau and the Zemeni, zilezhny and Lizy mountains descending into one of these ravines i halted to water my horse at that moment a noisy and glittering cavalcade made its appearance upon the road the ladies in black and dark-blue riding habits the cavaliers in costumes which formed the medley of the circassian and nijigorodian in front rode grushnitski with princess mary the ladies at the watering-place still believe in attacks by circassians in broad daylight for that reason doubtless grushnitski had slung a sabre and a pair of pistols over his soldier's cloak he looked ridiculous enough in that heroic attire i was concealed from their sight by a tall bush but i was able to see everything through the leaves and to guess from the expression of their faces that the conversation was of a sentimental turn at length they approached the slope grushnitski took hold of the bridle of the princess's horse and then i heard the conclusion of their conversation and you wish to remain all your life in the caucasus said princess mary what is russia to me answered her cavalier a country in which thousands of people because they are richer than i will look upon me with contempt whilst here here this thick cloak has not prevented my acquaintance with you on the contrary said princess mary blushing grushnitski's face was a picture of delight he continued here my life will flow along noisily unobserved and rapidly under the bullets of the savages and if heaven were every year to send me a single bright glance from a woman's eyes like that which at that moment they came up to where i was i struck my horse with a whip and rode out from behind the bush my god a circassian exclaimed princess mary in terror in order completely to undeceive her i replied in french with a slight bow don't worry yourself madame i am no more dangerous than your cavalier she grew embarrassed but at what at her own mistake or because my answer struck her as insolent i should like the latter hypothesis to be correct brushnitski cast a discontented glance at me late in the evening that is to say about eleven o'clock i went for a walk in the lilac avenue of the boulevard the town was sleeping lights were gleaming in only a few windows on three sides loomed the black ridges of the cliffs the spurs of mount mashuk upon the summit of which an ominous cloud was lying the moon was rising in the east in the distance the snow-clad mountains glistened like a fringe of silver the calls of the sentries mingled at intervals with the roar of the hot springs let flow for the night at times the loud clattering of a horse rang out along the street accompanied by the creaking of a nagai wagon and the plaintive burden of a tartar song i sat down upon a bench and fell into a reverie i felt the necessity of pouring forth my thoughts in friendly conversation but with whom what is vera doing now i wondered i would have given much to press her hand at that moment all at once i heard rapid and irregular steps grushnitsky no doubt so it was where have you come from from princess ligovskys he said very importantly how well mary does sing do you know i said to him i wager that she does not know that you are a cadet she thinks you are an officer reduced to the ranks maybe so what is that to me he said absently no i am only saying so but do you know that you have made her terribly angry to-day she considered it an unheard-of piece of insolence it was only with difficulty that i was able to convince her that you are so well-bred and know society so well that you could not have had any intention of insulting her she says that you have an impudent glance and that you have certainly a very high opinion of yourself she is not mistaken but do you not want to defend her i am sorry i have not yet the right to do so oho i said to myself evidently he has hopes already however it is the worse for you continued grushnitski it will be difficult for you to make their acquaintance now and what a pity it is one of the most agreeable houses i know i smiled inwardly the most agreeable house to me now is my own i said with a yawn and i got up to go confess though you repent what nonsense if i like i will be at princess lagovsky's tomorrow evening we shall see i will even begin to pay my addresses to princess mary if you would like me to yes if she is willing to speak to you i am only awaiting the moment when she will be bored by your conversation good-bye well i am going for a stroll I could not go to sleep now for anything look here let us go to the restaurant instead there is card-playing going on there what i need now is violent sensations i hope you will lose i said i went home end of book five chapter three recording by expatriate in bangor maine